Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking about vendor management today, and we're talking with James Christiansen, CEO of Avantix, and a, a gentleman who's given us a lot of insight on vendor management in the past. James, it's good to talk to you again. Hey, Tom, it's always good to talk with you. So we first engaged on this topic about a year ago when the regulators certainly were turning up the heat on vendor management. How would you say, a year later, banking institutions are doing at meeting the higher standard that's been set for them? Well, Tom, as you know, it's been a real interesting year with the uh, financial crisis. And during a normal time, I think we would have seen a, a lot more progress than, than we've seen. But with the turmoil in the financial institutions, of course, I, I didn't expect and haven't seen as much progress. So they're moving forward. Uh, they're adopting the higher standards, but you know, just not getting the sort of adoption level that uh, I know we'd certainly hope for. Where would you say that banks and credit unions are having successes in terms of vendor management? Well, it, it's really interesting to, to look at that. And the banks that are having successes have actually implemented a program very similar to what we talked about earlier in our uh, webinar series. The banks that, that are more matured in this area are continuing forward with their programs. They're able to show their corporations the value of these programs and getting movement. But there's a slow learning curve, and it's still it's a very daunting task to try to handle with the, the traditional methods of, of spreadsheets that are being used today. So those that were matured are continuing with their program. It's just really difficult for those that uh, are just approaching this to really get some momentum here. Well, where would you say then, sort of the flip side, that the institutions are being most challenged? Well, you know, I think um, it, it's meeting the, the higher and continuing implementation standards when they have such a large number of vendors. I mean, uh, most corporations, medium, big, small, doesn't matter, have outsourced, and they've outsourced to multiple layers. So it's not just ensuring that that first-line vendor is keeping your data secure, which, which those numbers can be quite large in the just volume of them, the added complexity when you get to that third party and find out they've outsourced some of your services to yet another party. So really trying to get people on just how secure is that data? Are you meeting the requirements of the regulators can be absolutely daunting. So that, that continues to be a big challenge. They need to really be able to implement that triage process that, that we discussed earlier. And that's really the ability to out of these thousands of uh, vendors or suppliers that you have, figuring out in a risk management process-wise which ones of these are truly bringing risk to your company, which is that ticking time bomb uh, in your company that you need to identify. And for those you're not able to actually go and do an on-site audit or an in-depth audit of, be able to justify why not. And that's what really comes to being able to have that solid risk management process to say, here are the reasons we're not going to do an on-site audit of this vendor versus we're going to go do this one and do that in a way that if audit or a regulator could understand the process for which that decision is made, and it's made under a consistent criteria. I think they're, they're still challenged in red flags. Uh, a lot of confusion there on what a covered account is, and I think you know we need to continue to educate our audiences on you know what is a covered account. You know, there's still a lack of effective oversight from the service providers um, in this red flag. And I'll tell you, I've just seen a lot of surprises 
in the market, when I talk to a client, say, you know, are you governed under the red flags? And, and they'll say no. And I say, wait a minute, let's look at that. And you actually find out they red flags actually does apply to them. So they didn't realize that they have to be complying with red flags. And further, they didn't realize that their vendors, again, right back to that supply chain, needs to also be compliant with red flags. So a lot of, a lot of challenges there. I, I think there's still a lot of geopolitical risk focus we need to look at. What's the changing world look like? I know I'm getting a lot of questions now on, yeah, we, you know, we've traditionally looked at the information disclosure risk or the security risk IT operations. But what I'm hearing more and more from the market is, I really need to look at the broader supply chain. What of my suppliers are at risk, economic risk, and may actually go out of business uh, because of the financial crisis? Sure. So being able to uh, look at that and, and, and assess that kind of risk is, is a fairly new challenge. At least it's more important, Tom, than it's ever been. I think you're seeing a trend for use to provide vendors for broader and more complex, higher-value services. And of course, as you've outsourced more strategic and more sensitive data, you know this this becomes even a greater challenge. And, and I think the last part is really around the concern about systemic risk within the industry. If one vendor fails, how does that impact the whole industry? And and I know we're going to talk a, a little bit more in that in just a bit. Now, James, interesting term you used, which was risk management. What do you find that the regulators are looking for most in risk management programs this year when they come in and start looking at vendor management? <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. One, you know, it, it is, and this is absolutely crucial, that there's clear ownership of this, that somebody actually owns the risk management function for this vendor management. There's a clear owner and there's a clear responsibility to take this on. All too often it's somebody's side job or not really a defined duty. So they want to see there's clear ownership here. They want to see that there's criteria being set of who those high-risk relationships are and how those are being defined. They, they understand that one size doesn't fit all in risk assessments. So they, they understand that you are going to look at vendors differently depending on the services they're providing, and that can actually impact the overall criticality of how that the risk of that vendor is bringing to you. That risk assessments, you know, they go beyond just data security. In other words, we've always thought of, you know, when we're going to go in, we're going to do an audit, we're going to look at how they secure the data. Well, we got to also look at all the ancillary processes. You know, how well can they recover from a failure? Because while it's not related to data exclusion, it's certainly related to your overall revenue uh, generation. So you need to be able to look at those. You know, how are they storing the data? All the traditional things come into play. They know that you must do some on-site audits. In other words, it's not acceptable to do all just self-assessment. Well, while self-assessment is going to play a big part in your risk management process, and that's acceptable, you have to have criteria for you saying, because of the certain level of strategic risk, as we talked about earlier, we actually do need to go on site and do an on-site audit of these vendors with this criteria. Again, being able to say it's repeatable and it's definable and it's definable under standard risk terms. They want to look at your ability to actually report on this process. 
Are you keeping your executives aware of the risk in your vendor risk management? Is there a standardized report? Is that report in such a way the executives can also make decisions about their business processes based on that risk assessment. So it's not okay to just say, we did five vendors' assessments this, this month and they all went good. They need to be able to see the overall picture or a dashboard. They need to understand what level of risk this is bringing into the company and how well that risk is being managed, just like they manage all their other risks. They need to be able to manage the risk of their non-vendor relationships, you know, those relationships that don't have a contract, which is, is kind of hard to understand, but there's a lot of relationships that there is not a formal contract with. And they need to be able to identify those because those should be uh, significant. And then it all comes back to, you know, how impactful, because the government is, is concerned as well, that any individual vendor might have on not just your company, but the whole supply chain in general. So I think that's where they're really focused. You know, you're seeing a lot of attention around red flags. You're seeing a lot of attention around GLBA. And I think we're going to see a lot of attention this year under healthcare as well. So um, it is the time, and it's the time for them to lose patience uh, with noncompliance. So I think you're going to see them step it up. Now, James, one of the things that, that's occurred since the last time we spoke was the Heartland Payment Systems data breach. How does that incident ratchet up the call for financial institu institutions to improve <coughs> vendor management? You know, um, Heartland is just a, another in a long series for me. I've been in the industry, as you know, Tom, for quite some time, and we had TJX, and we had um, – oh, I, I won't go through them all because it, it's just bringing up old memories. <laughs> but, but there's been these major breaches, and each time there's a major breach, you know, there is this impact. And, and the impact goes all the way back to the consumer. And, 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 you know, and that's really the concern is the, the, the government's job is to protect that consumer. So Heartland's another good example. Unfortunately, you know, you can't use the term it's a wake-up call because, you know, we're, we're beyond that. So I think what people need to do is start saying, how does this impact my business? Because then we can make a business decision on, you know, what we need to do to make sure this doesn't happen. Well, you look at Heartland, my goodness, it's over 650 institutions were impacted by that third-party processor. Well, this is a great example about vendor risk management. How many of those had actually done due diligence with Heartland? I don't know that answer, but I'll tell you one thing. If I was the CEO of that company, I'd certainly be asking because we want to know that we've done our part to make sure we did our due diligence. Now, you can do due diligence and still have a security breach, but you've done the right thing in that case versus not having done the right thing. When you don't do the right thing, that opens up to, of course, legal actions and government sanctions. So. You know, I know already, uh, Tom, there's been three class action suits. I have no idea how many individual suits, but I would imagine it's going to uh, grow in these kind of cases it does. You know, that, that Heartland breach not only impacted 650 institutions or greater than, it also had international impact. So it's, it's significant in the history of breaches. And, and the question is, how do we react to that? Well, if you look at the cost, you know, the, the effective cost uh, for Heartland is, is $231 per, per person that's impacted on that. So that, you know, of course, is higher when it's an internal breach because when you have a breach that's at a third party, it's actually more expensive for you. So these are some of the data points I think that companies got to start looking at when these things happen. And, of course, when you look at the who it impacted, I, I think this is really interesting. The majority of the companies that were impacted were small to medium 
you know, regional banks are credit unions. I mean, over 30% are credit unions. And, and this is a great example where you say, well, you know what? They, they don't have the ability, not like the matured companies, the, the larger financial institutions we talked about earlier time, that can put all these processes in place and have vendor risk specialists that can go in and put a process together for them and do that triage that we talked about and, and literally put people in to do the on-site. All those great things we talked about, if you're a small regional bank or a credit union, that may be out of your reach. So I think these guys got to start looking at outsourcing that responsibility. Yes, outsourcing to a managed service, your vendor risk management. It's actually a very viable option, and, and the best-of-class companies are now doing that because they know that these guys can do that quicker, better, cheaper than they can do it themselves. So I think this is a good example where broad impact, Heartland opened the door again to say, how can we fix this problem? Because you and I, Tom, have been talking about it being a problem. Well, here's a great illustration, and it's a costly one. So everyone has got to be asking themselves right now, in their institution, where is my next Heartland? Where's that next vendor or processor that's going to expose my data and open up the door for my legal suits again? So they've got to start working on this. Well, it's a good time to talk about what they've got to start working on then. We're coming into the second half of 2009. From your perspective, what needs to happen for the rest of this year for financial institutions to improve their vendor management for next year? Yeah, I think I think you know obviously one of the things they got to start looking at is if they don't already you know what is their you know most companies run on a calendar year budget so they got to make sure they're starting to budget for this they've got to make sure they're moving away from if if they do have a spreadsheet system moving away from that the spreadsheet systems that I see today where they'll they'll send them off and get them back you know they just don't work and it's a as a, a chief information security officer for, for many of the uh, large financial institutions, it, that scares me to have because I worry about somebody answering all those questions on my control and emailing it back, well, I've just created, you know, the hacker's handbook to my company. So they've got to move away from the spreadsheets. They've got to move to more a systemic process. The rest of 2009, I'll tell you, the analysts, um, or, or I've been reading anyway, are stepping up. The companies are stepping up now. They're coming out of the the uh, impact of the financial economic uh, crisis that occurred in the fourth quarter and earlier in the year, and they're actually starting to move in these directions. It's especially important for those finance institutions that have been subject to mergers this year, because now they have two processes: uh, the you know the acquiree and the acquirer. So now they've got to look at where are my vendors in common. So it's almost back to just regular vendor management. How well am I leveraging my spend? And where's that combined risk? Because that risk just doubled if you've got a bad vendor out there or you've got somebody that is cutting corners uh, to provide your services. So I think the rest of 2009 is stepping up, getting those processes in place, making sure uh, that they're ready to um, expect, uh, I think, with the, with the actions we've seen out of the regulatory uh, agencies this year, you're going to see a lot more uh, sanctions next year than, than we've seen this year so far. And, and um, I think it's time to step up and go. James, if you could boil it down to just one or two pieces of advice for institutions that are looking to, to get some quick results now, what would you advise them? You know, I think they need to find vendors who can make this process easier. You know, really get someone that understands, you know, what needs to be done here, bring them in, 
look at how they can you know, provide this service for you, learn from their expertise. It, it's very difficult and it doesn't generate revenue inside most institutions as third-party risk. So you want to keep your costs low, look for simple software implementations, SaaS-based applications, which are software-as-a-service type applications work best because you don't have to install a lot of software, don't have to install a lot of tools. Use that managed service uh, idea I talked about and really implement that triage methodology. That's the only way you can be successful here is go through your vendors, put a process together for which you're going to assess them, do that triage, figure out which of these vendors are providing the most risk and go focus on them and make sure you've documented the reasons that you did not audit on other vendors so that if audited either by your own internal audit, your regulators, or an external audit firm, you can account for all your vendors and you've actively made those risk decisions. James, that's sound advice. It's good to catch up with you. I'm glad we had a chance to talk today. Yeah, Tom, I hope uh, I hope we got through everything you needed and uh, always, always a pleasure to talk with you. Very good. We've been talking with James Christiansen. The topic has been vendor management. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.